Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life, transform the world. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From Luminary, this is British Villains. In the United States, you have gangsters. Al Capone, Lucky Luciano, Tony Soprano. In England, we have villains. People like the Crays, the Richardsons, the Sampsons, Bruce Reynolds and Mad Frankie Fraser. It was the summer of 1963. JFK was in the White House, the Beatles were in Abbey Road and England was only three years away from winning the Football World Cup. Over in South London, something else was whispering in the wind. Rumours that something big was in the works. Something that would leave a defining mark on not only British crime history, but on the history of the country itself. The thieves called the job the train. The papers called it the great train robbery. And the police called it the crime of the century. From the moment it became a story, it captivated the nation. A mail train was traveling from Glasgow to London. It had a boatload of money on board packed into mail bags. A gang of thieves stopped the train, took off with as many mailbags as they could and headed off into the English countryside. 
they stole somewhere in the neighbourhood of £2.6 million. In today's money, that's 80 to $100 million. From one job. No one in Britain had ever stolen that much money. But the robbery was only a small part of the story and the most famous heist in Britain would continue to captivate a nation for decades afterwards. It's been written about in dozens of books, hundreds of articles. There have been movies, radio plays. There's even a tourist bus you can take from London to the Buckingham countryside where the robbery took place. But how the villains pulled it off, how this whole thing really played out, and how it changed British crime forever? Now that's a story that's never been told. At least, not the way I'm going to tell it. Because I have access to perhaps the last surviving man who may or may not have been involved in that robbery. My dad. When it went off, the first bit of news was it said, train stopped, hundreds of thousands of pounds stolen. And then every day, it's the biggest crime in history, and everyone was a big detective. So my accent may sound like I'm from the rough side of London, but I was actually raised in the leafy suburbs of Surrey, favoured county of wealthy commuters. At seven years old, I was shipped off to a drafty boarding school with the country's future doctors, city gents and lawyers. I didn't know it at the time, but my dad was different from any of my school friends' dads because my dad wasn't a doctor, a city gent or a lawyer. Sure, we had money, but as a boy in short trousers, I didn't question where the money came from to pay for the school fees or the house on the private estate with two of the Beatles as neighbours. My dad never really seemed to have a job. Well, there were a few short-lived businesses, but not really anything that would have paid for the Aston Martin that collected me from school. An Aston Martin driven by one of my many uncles. Then, something happened that would burst my bubble. As a spotty teenager, my first girlfriend casually announced that my dad had done some time, meaning he'd been in prison. Or at least that's what her dad had told her from a book he had read. She had outed my dad. I kept this vital piece of evidence to myself and I didn't tell a soul. Instead, I quietly started to unpick every strange, wonderful and slightly amiss event that had shaped my upbringing. The fact that every bloke that showed up to my parents' house drove a black jag and was an uncle, with names like Jerry the Truck, Fucking Altel, Don the Dent, Wally the Pete, Absent John, because, as I later learnt, he was never at home with his wife. Or the fact that everything was paid for in cash. And I mean everything. The nuns at my sister's school loved that. And of course, there were times when I was unexpectedly picked up from school to go on an unplanned holiday for three months at a time, usually in Spain. There were always comments and rumours that my dad may have been involved with something big, a really big job. As the years passed, it became obvious that this big job everyone was referencing was actually the biggest job in British history, the Great Train Robbery. For the record, my dad has never talked about any alleged involvement in this historic crime or any other crime for that matter. 
but at 84 years old, he may be the last remaining person who can reveal any real details behind the robbery. So now, I say it's time for him to talk. I couldn't very well get involved on the track because I wouldn't know what to do. That's why I'm making this podcast. To forensically unpick what happened all those years ago. But that could prove difficult. Because as my dad always said to me, there are three sides to every story. Your side, my side, and the truth. I'm your host, William Green, and this is British Villains. I knew people who were doing crime. I knew ordinary people who were doing ordinary crime. And the last thing they would call themselves were criminal. I think in some certain ways he was a, a bit of a freak. I'm not meaning to say all Londoners were villains, but they had to take the rough with the smooth, really. Life before the Great Train Robbery was about survival, poverty, going without. A time when Britain was on the brink of destruction as Nazi Germany charged across Europe. Did you know anyone who wasn't thieving, robbing, bank robbing, stealing cars? Did you know anyone who... Later on in life I did. As I came up in the world, when I mixed with those, yeah. This is my dad. His name is Derek Glass. Well, that's what one of his passports said. Not the name his mum gave him. Right. But up until then, was, currently, everyone was... anyone who was straight. Anyone who was straight, No, there, right. were, there weren't any straight people in London after the war. My parents grew up in London during World War II, when the city was bombed to desolation. It was grim. Bloody grim. No food, no money, no future. The seeds of a new kind of criminal underclass were germinating. London, I was here until I was four... This is my mum, Heather Haynes, or Ginger Waterloo as she was known back then. All I can remember before I was four, because I lived so close to the Houses of Parliament and Big Ben was bombs and that dropping. Imagine my poor mum, just four years old, being kept away each night by the sound of bombing raids. During the war, the Germans were trying their hardest to blast London off the face of the fucking earth. And they almost succeeded. The city barely survived. During the Blitz, more than a million homes were flattened, tens of thousands dead, families wrecked by years of war. My mum was an evacuee, which meant she was shipped off to the countryside to live with complete strangers. Little kids put on a train with nothing but a gas mask and a suitcase, not knowing when they might see their families again. After the war, my mum returned to her family home in the Cut, South London. But the old Vic was there, Waterloo Station was there, and lots of places that were bombed, they were just like big mounds of rubble. Because we used to say, oh, we'd go and play on the hills. It was just the bomb ruins. Well, it was a bomb city. My dad's well into his 80s now, but he still gets a certain look on his face when he talks about life after the war. In those days, there was nothing to do. Don't forget, everything was on the ration. Sweets, you couldn't buy anything. It was all ration coupons still. Like a lot of kids in South London, my dad grew up without a pot to piss in, which meant 
He was so bloody poor that he didn't have his own toilet. To make matters worse, his own dad died young, leaving his Irish mum to raise two small boys. She cleaned ashtrays in a local pub just to make a living. Life got so hard that she had to send my dad's baby brother, Michael, over to Ireland to be raised by his aunts. Michael didn't return to London until he was an adult. Brutal choices had to be made every day. My dad had to toughen up and become the earner of the house. Many kids in those poor neighbourhoods were left to fend for themselves, looking for things to keep them occupied. It wouldn't take long for those kids to start finding some real trouble. Mother's Day is coming, and Mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit bartesian.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life, transform the world. So we got bored on a Sunday and walking up and down the Borough High Street and um, an opportunity where the railway used to load all their goods up. Right. There was horse and carts in those days, so we 
walked in there and got in. Oh, and, you broke in on yeah, a Sunday? Went in, yeah. Went. How old were you then? About 12. So you, you maybe had started. Well, I was bored. Yeah, I was <laughs> bored. See, Sundays so before, had nothing to do. Oh, so on Sundays you committed crime. Yes. But besides that, you were good. I was good. Right. Right, and so you broke. And what did you do with the stuff you got out of there? Well, we sold it to people. Post-war crime became a regular part of life, and as the 1940s became the 1950s, not a lot changed. London was a strange place in the 1950s. Um, it was in the shadow of war. So, on the one hand, you had bomb sites everywhere. You had destruction. You had a lot of damaged people as well. This is Professor Dick Hobbs. Yeah, I'm uh, Dick Hobbs and uh, I'm a professor of sociology and, and criminology. He studies crime, specifically London crime. He's also a Londoner. Yeah, I, I, was, um, I was brought up in Plaster in, in East London and I worked at Oxford University for three years and then I went to Durham, spent 15 years at Durham and all the time building on this kind of notion that crime was pretty normal. As Professor Hobbs will tell you, back then, people had a different notion of what constitutes a crime. Like the people he grew up with, they didn't see themselves as criminals, but crime was part of everyday life. Just saying you did from time to time to get by. So I knew people who were doing crime. I knew ordinary people who were doing ordinary crime. And the last thing they would call themselves were criminal. They'd call themselves dockers or plumbers or cab drivers or whatever. And the fact they did a bit of crime or were involved in crime in some way, that wasn't their master identity. Uh, they were also dads, mums, uncles, aunts, daughters, sons, etc. The last thing they think of themselves as being criminal. You didn't have money, you went out and found it. You went out and got it. You would be a wardrobe dealer, you'd deal in second-hand clothes, you would buy and sell, you would duck and dive. Ducking and diving. That means doing a bit of this and a bit of that to earn a few bob, cash. And you would steal and you would make money whichever way you could. And that was, that was completely and utterly normal. Completely normal. In the neighbourhoods where my parents lived, everyone was at it. And it wasn't just the blokes. It was your mum, your auntie, and maybe even your nan. Definitely my nan. An element of crime continued in the, in, into the 50s and 60s from this, this, this bizarre, chaotic era. If you think what London was like, particularly during the Second World War, it was being bombed every, every, every night, sometimes during the day as well. Though it, was, it was chaotic, kids were being evacuated, families were broken up, whole streets were being demolished by bombing. Um, Men in the family were overseas fighting. There were massive shortages. This was chaotic. This was genuinely, this was genuinely chaotic. And crime blossomed in, within that chaos. And individuals who were, who were able to cash in on this, on this chaos also blossomed. And they were still there in the 50s into the 60s. Oh, there was always something going on. Here's my mum again. No one blinked an eyelid really because and I suppose because it was so close to after the war people really never had a lot so sad to say what they didn't have they took and sometimes they got caught and sometimes they didn't they knew what they were doing so they had to take the rough with the smooth really I'm not meaning to say all Londoners were villains but the, where we came from was I must say I often think, well, you only live once and it's happened now. In those days, 
If you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth, chances are you're never going to see one. Unless you nicked it. And I remember the first time I saw a banana in the borough market. Nothing was imported into London or England. Right. You couldn't send ships from fruit. Yeah. You only had what was homegrown. First time I saw a banana was in the borough market and then I pinched a coconut and didn't even know how to open it up. Right. You know, that sort right. of thing. So right. that's... But everyone was like So that. what was your diet back then? Well, carrots and pale potatoes and spring greens. And my mum used to buy tripe, tripe, What's sheep's tripe? belly, horrible stuff. So it was, it, and, and all you would drink is, what, tea, No, milk, I never, water. I never ate meat. No, but what, no. You, the only drink you had as a kid was what, like water, water and tea? When I started to go with him... He used to come on a bus from the borough to pick me up. Here's my mum, getting a little sentimental about the oldie days with my dad. I met him when I was 19. 19. So at what stage did you think that maybe there was a bit more going on than... Oh, um, in my early years when I met your dad, of course, because he was always coming up, he had something, you know, and he had to make a living other than his work made a living other than his work? <laughs> My dad in a nutshell. And what was his job at the time? Or did he not have a job? Yeah, he, yeah, he worked for Alderson Campbell. He did an apprenticeship there. What, what was which that? Which is an engineering company. Right. Whilst in the early period of dating, did you ever think he was, you know, he was earning money from other means? Or did you presume well, it was yeah, well, all he from only the... got he only got a little bit of money because he was an apprentice. He never got a lot. And did he appear to have money? Well, they all did because they sometimes they'd say, it was a funny saying, someone's turned the TV shop off, which means they'd gone in and taken the TVs and then they'd sell them very, very cheap, less than half, so they'd earn money like that. And they were all at it, so I felt no different. And at it meaning they're all... Well, uh, yeah, or doing or doing some skullduggery, you know. But things did start to get better. London rebuilt itself. The economy came back. People started working and crime stopped being so ordinary. Except for those who saw how they could take their petty street hustle to a new level. Those who would go on to become proper jobbing villains. I think in some certain ways he was a, a bit of a freak. This is Nick Reynolds. He's about my age and he's talking about his dad. My name is uh, Nick Reynolds and uh, my dad was Bruce Reynolds. Um, the guy that's always been credited as the, uh, as the press like to say, mastermind of the great train robbery. Bruce Reynolds, the gentleman robber himself. Bruce Reynolds epitomised the post-war breed of London villains. Suited and booted in pinstripes, thin ties, bowler hats, smoking Dunhill cigarettes and driving flash cars. He looked sharp. He was the dog's bollocks. Bank robber, jewel snatcher, cat burglar. Reynolds did it all. As London recovered in the mid to late 50s, he became the leader of a gang of villains who captured the time like no others. To some, he was a criminal icon. Bruce Reynolds was a robber. Yeah, OK. He was a robber, and to be fair, that's how he described himself. He was ultra-smart, three-piece suit, very slim, tall, six-foot tall. 
you know, and you looked at him and he looked well and he was well mannered, you know, nice, but not well spoken. Yeah, well, yeah, well spoken. Yeah. But not a thug. Yeah, Bruce was, I always thought he was quite a quiet person. You know, very quiet. Yes, he was famed. Well, well known in the underworld and by old Bill, of course. Bruce Reynolds was born in London in 1931. He survived the war and post-war London like everyone did. Yeah, but his, his very first job um, was making bike frames. That's how he got to be good with oxacetylene torch, you know, which came in handy for taking the backs off safes um, in, in the future. In fact... I think one of my dad's nicknames before um, they started calling him Napoleon of Crime was uh, John West, because he can get the back of a safe like a can of sardines. John West is a brand of sardines. He was a true romantic and, a, and, a, and an adventurer. I mean, for him, the robbing wasn't about the money. It was about the planning and, uh, and getting away with it. Nick's dad saw himself as more than your average criminal. He read books. He drove an Aston Martin bought antique furniture, got his shoes from the same cobbler as the Queen. He didn't look like a villain. He didn't act like a villain either. Bruce was methodical. He'd check things out, he'd go and look at it, he didn't fancy it, he'd come back again and said, I don't fancy it. And then someone would say, well, let's do it now, we're here. And I said, no, leave it, I don't fancy it. And then he'd come back and tell you a story and we used to, he'd tell us what he'd had, had a tickle. And that's how, he seemed very impressive. He wouldn't tell you where, but he said, I had a tickle. A tickle means he'd pulled off a job. He stole a bit of something. He made a bit of something. Bruce created this character for himself. The country gent. He had style. He was classy. The sort of guy who, any time he had a touch, a tickle... Afterwards, he'd jet off to the French Riviera for some R&R. So every time they had a touch, they'd go down to the south of France and sometimes they used to combine business with pleasure down there. You know, they grew in hotels and after the diamonds, with the, when there's a big film festival on, you know, they'd go down there, dress up in their finery, look better than the stars sometimes. Well, Bruce could, as I say, could... You thought it was in like a matinee idol, and he would blend in, and they'd fanny their way into ballrooms. You know, they'd, they'd bribe the doorman with 50 quid, say, which is a lot of money. All right, so you can come in, and they mingle, and they'd say, Oh, there's so and so down there, and they'd follow the money. That's what they used to do. And see, now the Dorchester was a big hotel, and they'd say, I, th- I think Bruce had um, Sophie Loren's jewels. She had a big box right. and unloading the car at the Dorchester, all the suitcases. He walked up, picked the box up and walked away and there was about 200 grand's worth of jewellery. First fact check and it definitely won't be the last. It wasn't actually Bruce Reynolds who stole the box of jewellery from Sophia Loren. The guy's name was Peter Scott, another London villain. Scott was a highly skilled cat burglar and was given names like the Human Fly and Robber to the Stars. The necklace he stole was worth around £200,000. Regardless of who did it, the point remains the same. Money was everywhere and there was no one to stop you taking it. It was just too easy. There were only a few hotels and they're fully booked for that season, you know, that period. But they would find a way of getting into the room of the hotel if they're empty because the lady's wearing all the refinery. But sometimes they'd get lucky. They'd go out for lunch and leave it in the dressing room. 
And that's they used to talk about that when they came back. How'd you get on? Oh, it's good. You all come down. Bruce was very good at reading the Tatler, which was um, a monthly magazine for the the horse hunting, shooting, and fishing set. You know, the landed gentry. There's a party going on. We might be able to get in at the ball. And if you turn up dressed like they are, it's easy to get in. And that's what happened. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make Mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life, transform the world. My dad had seen that film, The Catch a Thief with Cary Grant, and decided that's who I want to be, you know. <laughs> and, and ostensibly, you know, that, that's to, to, to a certain degree, that's who he was, you know, I'm out there I'm in the south of France. Bruce was a cat burglar, a bank robber and a villain, but he wasn't a gangster, a hooligan or worse, a thug. A gangster is basically somebody um, 
who rules by fear of violence, you know, um, or extortion, protection. I mean, hang, hang on. These blokes weren't choir boys or even Robin Hood. They had seen a lot of violence growing up, both on the streets and for some of them in their own home. But when it came to crime, violence was used sparingly. The memo was always the same. Get in and get out without much fuss. You know, my dad saw himself as a thief. Um, but you've got loads of different types of thieves. You know, you've got the thief who would steal anything um, for whatever reason without any kind of moral conscience or anything like that. My dad was very specific in targeting the rich. Yeah. Mainly because he had a th- he was a he was a socialist um, and his his dad had been a, um, a shop steward um, and, and unionist at Ford's you know for 27 years and ended up being a, a social councillor for Dagenham. So my old man was dead against the rich anyway. Dead set against the rich? I don't know. You don't stop a train in the middle of the night and then walk away with millions because you want to stay poor. I told you in the beginning, as my dad says, every story has three sides. His side, your side, and the truth. Well, in the case of the Great Train Robbery, there are many fucking sides. I got Nick's side of Bruce's side of the story. Dick Hobbs is giving me the academic side of things. And then there's the side of the story that I'm personally invested in. That's Derek Glass's side, my dad. If my dad was involved in the crime of the century, how involved was he? Over the decades since it happened, there have been many people casually spouting off about the robbery, saying they'd set it up or they had new information about who did it. It was and remains a revolving door of information. Most of it was bullshit that involved a deal with a tabloid or some book they were just trying to flog. But my dad may be the last surviving person who was actually involved the last surviving person any of us can speak to. So what role did he play? And how did this crew of 16 or 12 or 20, whatever it was, how did they pull off a heist so audacious that it changed British crime forever? So now it's time to find out if the saying, villains can't lie straight in bed, is actually true or not. More on that next time. They never hurt anyone. They just went out on the, as they call it, the the hoist. We took all the money. Now we're rich beyond compare. There's no excuse for it, I know, but when you look back at your life, when you look back at what's happening, you think, it was fun days. From Luminary. British Villains is a production of The Cut, Ninth Planet Audio and Western Sound. Executive producers are William Green, Aaron Ginsberg, Jimmy Miller, Hans Sarney and Ben Adair. The show was written by Rosecrans Baldwin and Vanessa Sadler. Nick Reynolds and Edward Rose composed the theme. Music by Michael Cruz. Producers include Christina Moore, Annette Runhell and Stephanie Aguilar. The show was sound designed and engineered by Dan Leone. Up next, episode two, The Glitz. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. 
With our flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.